As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys, as always. And today, we get ready to dive into one of my favorite shows of the year to do, because that's right, it's finally time to have some hope yet again. This is a little taste of preseason 2022 football, because The schedules were released by the ACC the other night. They had a two-hour special on the ACC network, breaking it down. Uh, Interesting, uh, to say the least, the way they did it this time. I thought it was, you know, kind of cool the way Carolina did it on social media. You had, uh, you know, on ACC network, they went week by week, sort of broke down the matchups, everything like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. They turned it into a little bit of an event this year, so... Uh, we'll talk you through all that um, and, you know, give you a look at, you know, the toughest games that we see on the schedule, uh, maybe some things that we like about the schedule that we don't like, and uh, tell you why, you know, at least from my perspective, I think that the, you know, ultimately just looking at it, the record, it, you can have it kind of all over the place. This is not one where, like, last year we were kind of 11-3 and or 11-1 and to 9-3 and when we went through this. This one's going to be a little bit different. It's a wider range, so we'll talk about all of that. Uh, And then we'll also talk a little bit about a big transfer commit that Carolina lands. We're only going to touch on that shortly. I'll go more in depth with that on an upcoming edition of the podcast that I'll also tell you about at the end. And we'll also talk 
about the head man getting a one-year contract extension, what that means moving forward uh, for Carolina. But let's dive into that schedule for the Tar Heels. I'm going to go through, I'll read out the schedule first, um, just so that everybody that hasn't seen it just yet or maybe doesn't remember uh, that is listening right now uh, can you know get a grip of, of what Carolina's schedule is going to look like this year. So, it starts in week zero on August 27th uh, in Keenan Stadium against Florida A&M. Now, this is interesting for a couple of different reasons. One, this is the first time Carolina will ever play a game on Week Zero. That has never happened before. It's the first time in program history. So uh, this will be a little bit different for Carolina. They will not have the national attention. Again, I don't really know what the Week Zero slate looks like just yet, but typically the matchups in Week Zero aren't great. I know a couple years ago we had Miami and Florida. That was tremendous to start off the year. But typically you haven't gotten those types of matchups. So there'll be some eyes on this game for Carolina. This will probably be the first look at, you know, we would hope the new starting quarterback. But you you never really know. You could be in a situation where this could be a game that helps decide your starting quarterback. Um, So a lot of different things about that. Not to mention Florida A&M last year. 9-2 9-2 and two on the season. Uh, they've got you know a couple of really good players, including Isaiah Land, a linebacker, who last year had 24 tackles for loss and 19 sacks, one of the better players in the FCS. So it's an FCS game to begin the year, but it's also a pretty tough one out of the gate for Carolina. They start that uh, in Week 0. Let's move on to the game that I think most people are going to be talking about, though, um, you know, early on in the season. And I think that's the Week 1 matchup on September 3rd at Appalachian State in Boone. Carolina has to travel up there. Um, I know a couple years ago, back in 2019, App State came to Chapel Hill and beat Carolina with a true freshman quarterback at the time. Uh, So we'll, we'll see. This one, when I saw this on the schedule, and this was even before they released the schedule the other night because the non-conference games are set well before, this was one that, Carolina should have circled on their schedule. They should remember what happened the last time. You should know that this is one of the better group of five teams that you can face, and they have been year in and year out. And this is going to be a tough matchup against an App State team that's going to be motivated to continue to show that they can pull these type of upsets against in-state opponents. Yeah. I'm really excited for that game. I think that's a game that we need to uh, travel to. Um, Boone's got a lot of great beer, and we may need a lot of great beer to watch that game. But I I, I think that's going to be a really fun game. It'll be the first real test of either Drake May or Jacoby Criswell. And it's going to be really important for Carolina to go on the road and I think win the game if they want to have a successful season because they're going to need some confidence winning on the road because – well, they didn't do it this past year without with with Sam Howell. You're, right, you got to replace him. That place, look, we've seen that place host big time games. They've Miami's come there, and then in their conference, they've hosted big time matchups. They got an environment. They're going to face some legitimate adversity that they won't see in some ACC environments. So you got that going into that game, and I think it's just going to be. A real, I wish I wish this game was later in September. I, I wish it yes. was like the second or third week of September. And I think that's why they got the week zero game because I don't think they wanted to start their season trying to find a new quarterback. Well, the other thing is that apparently 
the FCS game, Mac Brown is wanting it to become more normal on Carolina's schedule that that is not the week before state. Yeah. So that when there is a senior day festivities, when they have to travel on the road, uh, it's in a more meaningful game. And also just basically to get them more prepared for that game against state instead of playing a softer opponent um, that you know could potentially have some guys a little more relaxed and laid back. So I, I think that's something that you'll see moving forward. I, I agree with you on that. I would have liked to see Georgia State here and flip those two games, but it is what it is. It's it's you know th- this is this is one of the tougher tests I think Carolina's got on their schedule. Yes, no because doubt. this is as you mentioned a hostile environment, and I think it's one of the early benchmark type games. You're you're going to get a feel for where this season is going to go based on this game. If you lose and you lose ugly then it could be a long year. Mm-hmm. But if you win this game, I'm not going to say, because again, it's a group of five team, I'm not going to say this This gives you the confidence to reel off you know, 11 straight like you did back in 2015 or anything like that. But I think this could be a pretty big confidence booster because, again, App State's one of those teams consistently year in and year out that is one of the better group of five teams. And everything that you see about that team, you know, from this past season and what they're bringing back, led by their running back Cameron Peoples, makes you think this is going to be a good team once again this year. After that, then they travel on the road down to Atlanta, Georgia, to take on Georgia State. Another, you know, interestingly enough, back-to-back Sunbelt opponents on the road. That's very rare for a Power 5 team uh, to go and do. Carolina demolished this team in Keenan Stadium this past year. Georgia State, I mean, look, they found something late in the year uh, at quarterback. They've got a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball that are pretty talented. But I still, this is a game where talent-wise, Carolina should have the edge on the road. So, you know, back-to-back road test here early on in the season, but this is one you feel more confident with, and that's probably why you would like it a little bit more if, as I said just a minute ago, this game and the half State game were switched. Yeah, if it was flipped around, I think you'd feel a lot more confident that Carolina could get off to a legitimate 3-0 start. But that game's not before App State, it's after, and Carolina, depending on what happens in the game against App State, they're either going to be feeling really, really high or there's going to be some doubts because you're an ACC team that lost on the road at a, at a at a group of five opponent. But that's a game that Carolina should go in and even break in a new quarterback and and all that that's going to, that this team's got to deal with over the summer. That's a game they should win and win rather easily, um, and it, it should be a chance for to get some younger guys involved and and stuff like that and and try to get some confidence because. You're you're gonna have to get better week by week, game by game. This isn't gonna be a team that's gonna start off as a finished product, or at least you don't think it's gonna be. This is gonna right. be a, a team that you would probably think is gonna be playing its best in November, not in September. But it's got that'll be a game where it's about seeing the seeing the improvement and stuff like that, and really getting a gauge of where they where they're going and where they could be. Well, one of the concerns on the schedule is that, as you mentioned. This is a team that looks like they'll be playing better in November than in September. Well, at the end of September, on September 24th, that's a birthday trip for you, they will take on Notre Dame 
in Keenan Stadium. I want you to know, I am not paying for that ticket. So whenever I... Mm, looks like you're not going then. I want you to know that whenever I pay for my portion of the tickets of the games that I attend, that one you will be covering. Because that's a game where, if we're being completely honest, if Carolina's competitive, we'll be happy. I mean, I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say that. It just depends on what Drake May or Jacoby Criswell looks like out of the gate. Um, expect it, it, And again, most of us are probably in our minds thinking Drake May. If, if he has not even a similar start to what Sam Howell did. I mean, if it's in that same area, you could probably feel somewhat confident. Remember, Notre Dame is going to have to find their third quarterback in three years. And we saw a preview of some of those guys that will be battling in this quarterback battle last year when Jack Cohn was still trying to settle in. Eventually, he did. But there was a point early in the season where they were bouncing back and forth between quarterbacks. um, And, you know, we'll see. Some of those guys clearly are going to mature, but they have to find a a new quarterback there. Um, You know, and offensively, I still feel like they'll probably be pretty limited. They lose Kyron Williams at running back. Oh, that'll be a big break for Carolina. The last two years, he's been a big factor in both of those games. But defensively, they are going to bring back a lot of their guys. Isaiah Foskey, who Carolina did a pretty good job against this past year, um, but he is coming back off of a tremendous year uh, as an outside linebacker, as a pass rusher, so Carolina will have to face him again. I just don't like where this is at on the schedule. If this was later in the year, if this was where it was in 2020, and again, I get that that was you know, a lot different because it was a COVID schedule, they were technically part of the conference, whatever, um, or even this past year, you feel like, okay, Carolina maybe has a little bit of a better chance. This one's going to be really tough with where it's at on the schedule. But the good news is is it's not like Carolina's not familiar with this team. This is the third straight time they're going to play this team. Yep. And the last two times, you've, you've fought hard and Notre Dame has pulled away from you late. So you know that you can play with this team in terms of beating them. I just don't like where it's at on the schedule. Should be one of the better crowds we'll see at Keenan Stadium all year long because it's Notre Dame. And look, there, of course, will be some Notre Dame fans in the stands, but you go back to when we beat them in 2008, that's one of the best Keenan Stadium crowds in the modern history of the stadium. And if Carolina's 3-0, and even if they're 2-1, and that'll be a chance for them to get a signature marquee win mm-hmm. uh, for the new quarterback and everything like that. It, it, it'll at least be a fun environment leading up to it, but it's going to be really hard envisioning Carolina winning that ball game. So then they jump into conference play against the team they started conference play against a year ago. Uh, this time it'll be at home. It'll be a little bit later in the season, but it is against a team that they've struggled against historically in Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia Tech... I mean, what can you say? They're going through a lot of changes yet again. This time, new head coach, though, Brent Pry's coming in. But again, questions at quarterback. They are bringing in two transfers there that will battle it out. Um, And they've got a lot of other changes throughout the roster that they're going to have to navigate. But this this is a very interesting stretch of games right here. And it started actually with the Notre Dame game. This is the second of... Four straight games that Carolina plays against new head coaches 
and five of six overall during this stretch. This is where you feel like, look, these games are tough for sure. And after last year and with some of the guys that you lost, there's nothing telling you that you should be pounding your chest and feeling overly confident about these matchups. But this is the area where you feel like an experienced head coach with an experienced staff, including Gene Shizik and Charlton Warren, who came in, should be able to help you during this stretch. And it starts with that Notre Dame game, but I think it really starts with this game against Virginia Tech. Yeah, look, here's the thing. The reason why Carolina has pressure to win this year in a lot of different ways is even though you're coming off a 6-7 and seven season, you're not you didn't overhaul the staff like many other schools in the conference did. Outside of, well, you and Pittsburgh, everyone else in your division pretty much is overhauling their staff in one way or another. And so you're taking the continuity approach. You're bringing in a new, a new defensive coordinator, but it's a guy that Mac Brown's worked with. You're bringing in a new defensive back coach, but a guy that has familiarity with Carolina. And so these are games that frankly Carolina should win. Because you, you've got more continuity with the coaching staff. You've got your guys on your roster. And if you want any chance of playing meaningful football in November, something that is still a legitimate possibility, and in a lot of ways is is, is an expectation in, in year four of Mac Brown, this isn't a game that you can afford to lose. You've got them back in your place, and mm-hmm. you, we, we've seen the horrors of going to Lane Stadium. It's always going to be like that, and we get that. You got to get him in their building. New new quarterback, new head coach. That game's in Chapel Hill. It's 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 not a must win, but it's 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 going to be I, yeah. a win that Car- it's it's way too early. We it's, we it's, haven't. If, if Carolina wants to make a bowl game, like you got to start getting work. Okay, right. What's our path to a bowl game? Virginia Tech at home. You got to get that one. Yeah, no, that's one that you look at and you want to feel confident that you can check that off. By that point in the season, I, I in in general, I I like where that game is at on the schedule. October first, that gives you some time to settle this in. Year, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially with it being at home. Then you've got two consecutive road matchups. Now, the first one, the first one's going to be tough. And look, this is a building where you've had a lot of success recently. Um, Larry Fedora got it started, and it's continued under Mac Brown against Miami. But this is going to be, I would think they're going to be the preseason favorites in the Coastal. I think Pittsburgh's going to be right there because, again, and we'll talk about them in a, in a little bit here, but you got to credit the job that Pat Narduzzi has done with bringing in guys talent-wise. I mean, you bring in a transfer quarterback to replace Kenny Pickett that is going to probably be able to pick up right where they left off. But this Miami team... Under Mario Cristobal, a guy who has a good track record at Oregon, you've got arguable, I mean, I would say in the division, I mean, I'm trying to think, is he just on the fly? Is he the only returning starting quarterback in the division? I believe so. In Tyler Van Dyke, and a pretty good one. You could argue that might be the best returning starting quarterback. Or, uh, no, no, I take that back. He's probably third in the ACC amongst returning quarterbacks. Probably go Sam Harmon, Devin Leary, probably ahead of him. And then he's right there. And who knows? He's, you you got to remember, he's 
a redshirt sophomore, so there's a lot more time left in his career, more upside. So that's going to – it's going to be a challenge for Carolina, no doubt, going there. I still don't think – and clearly this shouldn't be the case – this is not going to be the best Miami team that they will face under Cristobal. I mean, believe me, I'm hoping it is, and I'm hoping they're not that good. But we'll have to see projecting forward. But this will still be a pretty stiff test, and, and honestly is one of the tougher ones on your schedule. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I think Miami had one of the best hires in the whole coaching carousel this past season. I, I We all remember what I said when they hired him that I think He's the guy best suited to get Miami football back to where Miami football could be, should be. And they also made a heck of a hire yesterday on the day of Kevin recording Steele. of Kevin Steele, a defensive coordinator that I like. Um, but that's not going to be the case this year. And look, Miami's got dudes. They've got athletes because they've had athletes for the last 30 years. It doesn't translate to winning. But they got a quarterback, and that's something that when they've had one, They've been better than not in, in in most years, and we saw him firsthand last year. His coming out party, his first start was against us, and look what he did against us. He threw his his coming out party was the second half. The yeah. first half he wasn't wasn't that great. Turned it on in the locker room and never looked back. So it, it's it's going to be a challenge for Carolina. It's going to be in February. It's it feels like a winnable game, which is something that may not be foreseen down the road with Miami so you still got to make way and stuff like that it, it it'll be that's where the the road trips to you know going to App State and then going to Georgia State that'll be benefit be, beneficial because if Miami's good and that building's loud that's still a tough place to go on the road and win football yeah, games. it's a very fine line yeah. with them if they're good that place is going to be packed if that's a night game we saw it a few years ago. That place can be one of the tougher places to go in and play. If the team is average or not good, there's going to be six people there. Yep. And speaking of places that will have six people, October 15th on the road at Duke. This is this is a tough it's a tough game for Duke. It, it's going to be one of those games where it's it, you know, it's going to take Duke a while. But this could be one of those games where under a first-year head coach, Carolina's got to be prepared because this team's going to fight. But this is one that Carolina should feel confident in going in. You don't want to get to a point where this one concerns you. Unless, out of nowhere, Duke comes out and surprises. I thought they made a, a quality hire in Mike Elko. I think he could be a guy that eventually gets Duke to a pretty solid spot. But you're talking about losing one of the most successful coaches in your program's history in David Cutcliffe to retirement. They've got a lot of roster turnover yet again. And, I mean, look, there's still some talent there, but the guy that we talked about the most heading into last year's matchup for them is gone. He's departed. Mateo Durant's headed Mm -hmm. to the NFL. So this feels like a game on the schedule where you should feel very confident that you can pick up a win in this game against a team that is probably going to take a few years to get going under their new head coach. The question isn't if Carolina wins. The question is by how much Carolina wins. And if you want to make a bowl game, this is right there with the Georgia States. This is a must-get. You have to win this game. I think they made a really good hire. And I think if they let Mike Elko see this thing through, he can get Duke to be in a respectable program again. Yep. But that's three or four years away 
this is still a game with Carolina even losing all what they've lost. They're they're the better team. They're the more talented team. They're the better coach team. They should have no problem going into Durham and getting a win. Yeah, and that starts, I think, what is a stretch here where Carolina should hope to pile up some wins because then you get a bye week. And they did, by the way, I didn't mention it, they did have a bye week in between the Georgia State and the Notre Dame game. That's an early bye for them, which I think could be good, especially if you're trying to assess where one of your young quarterbacks is at. That's a good chance to breathe and figure out exactly where you're at. Then you get one in the middle of the ACC schedule, which I think is very beneficial as well, before you then play Pittsburgh at home. And remember, this is the first time, because they did not play in 2020. That was the team that one of the teams that got left off of their schedule. Them and Georgia Tech from the Coastal, Carolina did not play that year. So this is the first time since 2018 that you are playing them in Keenan Stadium. The last two games, you played them in Heinz Field, and both games went to overtime and you lost. This past year against a team that was really, really good, that went to the Peach Bowl, you had a chance to win that game. Honestly, you should have won that game, but penalties bit you. This feels like, and again, I said it earlier, They there is a heck of a case for them to be the preseason favorites. Mm-hmm. Keaton Slovis is coming in to take over for Kenny Pickett. If you don't know that name, you should. He was the starting quarterback at USC. He got hurt last year and lost the, lost the job out there. If Clay Helton was still there, he probably would have been the guy that reassumed that position, but they move on. They get Lincoln Riley. Caleb Williams ultimately comes. So Slovis leaves and goes to Pittsburgh. This is a good, this is a really good get by them. And remember, they're still bringing back arguably the best receiver in all of college football from a year ago in Jordan Addison, who won the Bolitnikoff Award. We saw him, and Carolina did a solid job against him. This team is still going to have the offensive talent. Their new quarterback, you feel pretty confident in what you've seen from him as a transfer, and we know this team's going to be good defensively, especially on that defensive line. It's a challenge, but I like the fact that it is at home, and I like, again, where it is on the schedule because you said it. November, this is October 29th. This is the time after this bye where you would hope Carolina – is playing their best football. Yeah, I think this will be the first real measuring stick of where Carolina is in the ACC Coastal this year. Um, because the Notre Dame game's not an ACC game. Miami's too early, that second game. Yeah, yeah. Miami's really early, and they're they're transitioning. Pittsburgh's coming off of having won the division uh, or winning winning the conference. Uh, they, they bring in a, a very good transfer at the quarterback position. Narduzzi's built the program up, and this is a team that the last two years or the last two times you've played, you had a chance to beat them. You just didn't make enough plays, and Mac Brown will have the pressure of staying undefeated for for the program at home against Pittsburgh because they never lost at home to Pittsburgh under Larry Fedora since they joined the ACC. But th- th- this will be a game that it, it feels like Carolina can. It, it feels winnable because I, I mm-hmm. think I think this will be a team that kind of like. The first year under Mac Brown will get better the longer the season goes, and when as long as they're there entering November, they're playing meaningful football. We're not going to be upset with that. It's going to start a week early this year with that game against them in, on, on October 29th, but it, it feels gettable. And if Carolina finds a way to win that game, and you somehow sneak a win at Miami, you're in the driver's seat. You would have to imagine to make the ACC title game, which 
which is kind of the expectation in year four for Mac Brown. So the schedule lays out very good for Carolina mm-hmm. to accomplish the things we want this program to accomplish this season. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And it goes into the next game as well. I think this is part of that important stretch on the road at Virginia. And look, there are some things to really like about Virginia. Brennan Armstrong, see now see now I'm rethinking of with Tyler Van Dyke earlier. Brennan Armstrong's up there too. That's a heck of a quarterback. With him healthy again, they're going to have a chance to have a lot of success. Carolina learned, even in their win this past year, where Carolina looked really, really good offensively. You know, this is a game where, I mean, we don't know what this offense under Phil Longo looks like without Sam Howell yet. We, I mean, we saw a little bit of it against Wofford, but if you're going off of that as to your measuring stick moving forward, I don't really know what to tell you. That's not what you should expect every single game out of this group. We have to wait and see. But this is one of those games where new coaching staff for Virginia, they still... I mean, look, part of the reason why they struggled last year defensively was scheme. The other part of the, the the other reason they are lacking talent on the defensive side of the football. Carolina, this feels like a game where because of the staff continuity, even though you got to go on the road and face one of the better quarterbacks in the conference, you should be able to get this game against Virginia and start what should be your own stretch of wins against them. That's how this series has always worked here recently. But this is one of those that I don't feel... The the fact that they won this past year in Keenan, I think was huge for this year's matchup in Charlottesville. Yeah, because now they got to follow that up and go win on the road there. And that's something that's been a struggle from, from times from Mac Brown's first time here to the Butch Davis area into the Larry Fedora era. And yep. This will be something that Tony Elliott's going to build a solid program there. And they're going to be a solid football team, but they're not going to be a great football team. They're not going to be, in my opinion, a team that's going to be a legitimate threat to win the ACC Coastal. So this is a game that Carolina should be able to go on the road and, and, and be competitive. And and you should probably think, as of today, they should go on the road and win the game. Mm-hmm. They're bringing back Brennan Armstrong. And, look, he's a hell of a quarterback. and we We've seen that up close and personal and he, he's going to be a guy, but he's good enough to will them to another bowl game. But that's a that that's a game where if you're comparing teams in the middle of the conference, which or, which is where I think Carolina is going to be. Yep. This all, this Carolina team as a whole should be better than Virginia's team. Yep, and, and I think that's going to be the thing is just okay. Can Carolina go on the road and 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 beat teams that they should beat? They didn't do it last year. They didn't do it Mac Brown's second year. Frankly, they've struggled to do that under Mac Brown. They've got to take that next step, and that's a game that they'll go on the road and you would think be favored and expected to win the game. It's about being able to do just that. Well, then they start a tough stretch to close the season. And and really it's there's two games that are tough and there's a game in there where you feel confident that Carolina should win, but it's 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 sandwiched right in between the two games. So I kind of include it in that stretch. November 12th, you got to go to Wake Forest. Last time you were there was, again, back in 2019. By the way, (laughs) the most interesting part about this is this is the fourth straight year that Carolina will face Wake Forest. Remember that one of the biggest issues that they had before that 
was that Carolina just never played Wake Forest. The, the last time they played them was back in 2015, before then. Now they're playing four straight years because, again, somehow this is the cross-division opponent that Carolina drew out of the Atlantic, of course, outside of your normal yearly matchup with NC State. Yep. So, again, this is very similar to what I said about Notre Dame. This is a team that you should know like the back of your hand. You've played them every single year. The seniors on this team will have played you since they were freshmen. Mm-hmm. You know Sam Hartman. You know what this offense looks like. They're still going to be really, really good. They lost Christian Beal Smith to the transfer portal, but heck, they lost Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker the third last year, and they just rolled Christian Beal Smith in. That's not an area that you should be concerned defensively. There's still questions about them. Now they did end up hiring a new defensive coordinator, so they've made some changes as well. We'll see what that does, but this is a game that you probably expect Carolina's offense needs to be in pretty good shape for by this point in the season because I think a lot of people are talking about Clemson and NC State in the Atlantic, and rightfully so. Wake Forest isn't going anywhere, though, either. They've got too much talent, and Dave Clawson's too good of a head coach. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to complain about playing them because I'd much rather have to go to Wake Forest and have to go to Boston College in November or have to go to Clemson. I mean, any... speak for yourself. I'd rather go to Boston College. I mean, uh, that's not – I mean, I, I guess you've got you got Phil, Phil Dracovic back, cold. but that's still not a great team. It's cold. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like playing in the cold. Okay, well, you don't. You, you do realize that you our team are not our playing. team doesn't like playing in the cold. Therefore, I don't like. I mean, look, in the cold. I, I just this this is this is a tough matchup for them because it's it's going to be in their place. Carolina's played at home the last two years, and they just frankly in both the games they just outscored them. Well, and and, and look, Wake Forest is going to they let two get away. They they blew the big lead two years ago. And then this past year, they their undefeated season got away from them in Chapel Hill in the upset that many people called it when it happened. So they're going to be motivated to to get back at Carolina. It's kind of like when you play Virginia, the game means more to them than it means to you because to Wake Forest, you're their biggest rival. They're not our biggest rival, neither is Virginia, but for those two schools, that's how it's perceived and viewed. And Wake Forest is probably going to be playing for – the right to go back to the ACC title game to prove that last year wasn't a fluke that they're that Dave Clawson is here to stay and they've built a respectable program up there in Winston Salem. So, I, and I I I think the shootout aspect that's just that's going to be that game moving forward. That yep. game will feel like a Big Twelve game for the as long as Dave Clawson and Mac Brown are the head coaches here because they both want high powered offenses. So it's. First one to 55, probably going to win that one. I mean, even the first matchup between the two teams, Carolina didn't play well in the second half, but they responded, or they didn't play well in the first half, responded in the second half, and had a chance to win that game late. But there were a lot of points put up in that game. There were a lot of yards. Remember, that was the game where Carolina was just torched by Sage Surratt. So, yeah, that's an element of that game, I think. Then you come back home, and you finish – the season with two straight home games. The first one is Georgia Tech, and look, if you needed any extra motivation for this game, which, I mean, it's an ACC 
conference game, you should be motivated. This team embarrassed you last year yep. in Atlanta, and they were not good. They're still not good. <laughs> They're still coaches, though. He is, but this is a team that at I mean, their ceiling right now is still probably six and six. That they are this is still a team that is just so far away because they just don't have the skill position players. They're still lacking a little bit of talent on the defensive side. This is a team that, no doubt on paper, and that's a lot of teams that we've just talked about here, you are definitely better than this team. And this should be a game where there should be motivation to prove that last year was a fluke. Last year was us losing the game, not them beating us. Yeah, and it'll also be senior day. or No, 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 no. no, Because State's at home. So, yeah, look, you got to get – that bad taste out of your mouth from last year mm-hmm. and get this game at home. And, and if we're being completely honest, your bowl eligibility would probably be riding on the final two games of the year. You probably need one or both of them, to, at least one to make a bowl. Very game. possible. Yep. So you're probably looking at that same scenario again. And and then that's going to be the thing is just coming back home, not looking ahead to NC State the next week, not looking ahead to Thanksgiving, all that great stuff. But, yeah, this team embarrassed you. They effectively ended your season last year. With their ass kicking they gave you down in yeah. the Georgia Dome, yeah. down in the Mercedes Benz Dome. So that's what it's, it's all going to be about getting back what they gave you a year ago. And, and look, Georgia Tech, they got a good head coach. That's what all they got going for them. So, I mean, look, you know, Jeff Sims is a guy that hopefully this time Gene Chizik and his staff know that they have to prepare for. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you lose Jameer Gibbs. Now you get Hassan Hawkins, who comes in from, or Hassan Hall, excuse me, that comes in from Louisville. But I mean, they've got some talent. But this is a team that overall, like last year, there was a reason last year we came on here after that loss and said that is a disastrous loss for this team because that's a team that right now you should beat year in and year out. Them and Duke right now should be games on your schedule that you check off before the season as wins. Yep. It should be. So that's one that you got to get. And hopefully that allows you to build some momentum into, as you mentioned, the Friday game against NC State at the end of the year. This is now becoming a staple on that that, that Friday after Thanksgiving. And I think it's part of what I what what I said last year, which I think you thought was ludicrous, that this is one of the more underrated rivalries in college football. It's starting to fly under the radar. Mainly, I think, just because of the hatred between the two sides, people get interested in it because I mean, heck, look at the look at back in twenty eighteen. You had a fight at the end of the game. Twenty sixteen, you had the two sides right before halftime meet at midfield, both both sidelines completely. Um, and, you know, there is bad blood between these two sides. It's no lie that we don't like that team. And now, again, you talk about a game that will be the most – this is the most sought-after game probably in Carolina football history. It should be. This is the game that you should circle, underline, highlight, bold, whatever – all of them, because the way you lost this past year, you should want to kick the living crap out of this team in Keenan Stadium this year. And they are going to be in a similar spot in the preseason to where you were 
last year. Games in Keenan this year. Carolina's had a lot of success under Mack Brown and Keenan, and he's had a lot of success towards the end of his first stint, and even now here early on, even with that loss this past year against NC State. So there, this is the game that every Tar Heel player should have bookmarked this season. Yeah, because if you, if you lose this game and you don't make the ACC title game, you failed. Because that was what this season came down to. The minute you lost this that game last year and the way that you lost it, it cemented the fact that it was a lost season. And State's going to be really, really good next year. No, it's a hard thing to say. They got one of the best quarterbacks. They're bringing back some of their guys that got hurt during they're, the season. They're bringing back almost everybody defensively. And, so. and, and, and their coach made it known the other night. Look, we want to go play for an ACC title. And that's a legitimate aspiration for them to have. Well, maybe you can spoil that. And maybe you can give them a taste of what they gave you in their building last year, this year. And it, it's gonna it's going to be really it's going to be really important for Mac Brown that he wins that game. Because if you have another sub if you have another five hundred year or sub five hundred year and you've lost back to back games against your rival, there's gonna be questions asked about the future of your job. And, and so I, I've, I've grown to them moving that game to Friday because it means it doesn't interfere with my Saturday because Saturday I want to watch Ohio State-Michigan. I want to watch Alabama-Auburn. Well, like it's also it's gotten into its own prime time slot, and it's got – I mean, it's it's got the coverage around it. I, I mean, clearly, look, there are games a lot – there are other games that mean more on that – that have a more storied rivalry, all that kind of stuff – during that week. But this is one of those games where clearly the reason they're putting it on Friday night is there is some draw to the game. So you should take pride in that. And, yeah, you should also be motivated to, on a national stage, beat your rival. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, I I think it's – and we're going to talk about it a lot during the offseason here. Uh, This being an important season for Mac Brown. And his staff. Because I like the word that you've used, and I've used it in so many articles and everything. This is the crossroads of his second tenure. Yep. Where do you go from here? Because that's going to determine whether you're doing what we said originally when he took over the job we were hoping for him to do, which was make the job, make it better than you found it. Or is he going to take what we heard at you know, the end of 2020 and before last season and turn this into a team that year in and year out is expected to win the Coastal and is expected to be a factor in the ACC overall. So we'll see. Um, Just, you know, a couple of quick things here. Um, One thing that I like about this schedule, no Thursday game this year. Believe it or not, Pittsburgh is on a Saturday this year. Um, but I do like that. I, I like the fact they're not going to have to turn around on short rest. Um, you know, and I, I, I think I, I like I like the fact that the FCS game is not at the end of the year. I, I think Georgia Tech, that's one of your easier conference games as well. I like the fact that it's where it's at on the schedule. I, I like the fact that Carolina will have to play an ACC game, and I think they'll kind of remain in that 
ACC mindset heading into that key game against NC State. Um, you know, and I, I think some of the matchups are favorable. I saw a lot of people, um, you know, some people went pretty bold. There were some people last night, I saw a couple, two people I commented said 9-3. and three. That's what the expectations to be for this schedule. I'm not going to go that far. Um, and I'm going to be honest. I don't really know where my expectation is. I, I'm kind of tinkering between 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four for this schedule. But here's the thing. I think that when you talk about the floor and the ceiling of this schedule, I think that your floor, I could see this team finishing 4-8. and eight. Yep. But I think your ceiling, I could see this team finishing 9-3. and three. There is a lot of parity and a lot of unknowns in the ACC Coastal, mainly based on the fact that you've got four new head coaches that you will have to face in the Coastal alone. So I think Carolina's got a chance to have a good season here. But I think expectations are going to be tampered a little bit, especially from what we saw last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, you. What, what do you think? Where is the range for you, and where do you think they're ultimately at probably right now? Just first look at the schedule. Seven and five. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, – yeah, that's probably right. Because I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, or NC State. Right there is four. And then you got the toss-ups with the Virginia Techs and the Miamis. You just don't know how those games are going to go. Yep, and Virginia, and, and honestly, and and then and then App State's going to factor in that as well. That's yep, not, that's not a that's, that's not a game a mark game for. Carolina. See, that's a game that a lot of Tar Heel fans, I think, are just checking off and thinking is a win. That's going to be a really tough game because of where it's at on the schedule and because it's a road game. But we'll see. Again, like I said, there there is a wide margin here for Carolina. I mean, they could have a really strong season or this could be another down year. Yep. But we'll we'll ultimately see. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9783. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, 
Call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. Now, one thing that Carolina showed you is that regardless of what happens this year, they are committed to Mac Brown being here and Mac Brown being here for as long as he wants to. They gave him a one-year extension to his contract earlier today on the day of recording. On February 2nd. Um, And it will last through January of 2027. I got that wrong earlier. I thought it was the 2027 season. It is January of 2027, so the end of the 2026 year. Mm -hmm. He will last through. Now, five years remaining. Um, So, Carolina, you know, they end up giving him the extra year. I'm not really that surprised by this move because I I think we've all kind of come to the conclusion that Carolina will not fire Mac Brown. If it gets to a point where they feel like it's going in that bad of a direction, they would probably get to the point that Duke did with David Cutcliffe, mutual parting of ways into retirement. But I think they're showing that, look, they are committed. They still feel Bubba Cunningham and the rest of the athletic department still feel like this thing is going in the right direction. Last year was a step backwards, but they should be able to get at least back on track in some respects. And they gave him this extra year. I know you saw this earlier, um, and we were talking about it a little bit. I mean, I, I, I don't. To me, I wasn't shocked at all by it, and I, I don't really feel like you were that shocked by it either. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't shocked by it, but I can't say that I think it's the best decision they ever made. Because I, I do think if he has another bad year, you you have you have to you have to question if he's the right guy for your program. I still think he is, and I want to make that clear. As much as I complained about his decisions and and lack of adjustments and all that during the season, I still think if there's a guy that can win at North Carolina, it's Mac Brown. But you're backing yourself into a into a corner, committing another year to a coach who we just said is entering a crossroads. So it's it's kind of those things where you're you're betting on them, but if it bets wrong, do you do you honor the contract and well, let him see it out because you don't want to be you don't want to fire Mac Brown because of how he's revered in the community, or do you, are you going to be able to to have those tough decisions and say hey, you enter you go to year five, let's put up or shut up, or and if you don't you don't get the wins, we're gonna we're gonna cut you. Well, here's the thing: I think that part of it is very similar to what we saw with Roy. When Carolina was signing him to extensions, it's look, we're making sure that you're here until you want to retire. But I think with Mac Brown, you're going to see where, like I just said, if they get to a point where they feel like, look, this is not working, we have to do something. They, I'm not going to say they're going to force him into retirement. They will strongly encourage that he goes into retirement. And yes, the buyouts, at this point, these buyouts are pocket change for some of these athletic departments. And, and his contract isn't massive. He, he wasn't a guy that demanded a huge contract coming in. This wasn't Carolina went out and got a huge splash, big name, uh, that they had to pay a bunch of money to to get him to Chapel Hill. They... they it's not that significant, so if they want to buy out the rest of his contract and send him into retirement, they always can. 
That's how I look at it. So I, I don't. I, I really think it's harmless. Um, I think it's just maybe showing that look, there is a belief in him, and that's that's mainly what this is. This is from Bubba Cunningham in the athletic department. They want to show him. They want to show the staff that he has in place currently, and they want to show the kids on the roster, but more importantly, the recruits, that Mac Brown is here to stay. And when he comes into your house and he tells you, I'm going to be here for the next four years, he's not lying unless, or really he's not lying. He's telling you that, hey, his plan is for him to be here for four years. Yep. The athletic department could change their mind. Mac Brown won't. So, well, I, I don't really think it's that big of a deal, but it is an interesting note. Carolina also lands a transfer. It was a rather quiet day on the normal signing period's National Signing Day, but they do end up landing a transfer commit. Spencer Rowland, the offensive guard uh, or offensive tackle, I believe, yeah, from um, from Harvard. Ends up transferring into Carolina. Started 20 games in his career. But do remember that this was a guy that started as a freshman at Harvard and then started as a junior. He did not have a sophomore season because the Ivy League did not play during 2020. So if they did, he would have played 10 more games that year. Very well regarded. Um, an extra, you know, All-academic guy. Extremely smart young player and a guy that uh you know was highly respected throughout the FCS um one of the guys that was recognized on the all FCS team uh this past year by Phil Steele so a guy that's very highly regarded and if you do have any questions about him being you know playing at Harvard and taking the step up at one time he was committed to Penn State Penn State seems to know a little bit about offensive line play they've done a pretty good job there in the past so the fact that they were also in on him, some of the other schools that were in on him were big names as well, probably should have you feeling pretty confident that Carolina is getting a guy that can help them on an offensive line that they are having to rebuild this offseason. Yeah, and I think it's just something that we talked about entering the offseason that Lee got to address it. Um, and and they've, they're, they're doing that, and hopefully it pays off because this offensive line has to be the best version of itself for this team to be the best version of itself. This offense will not be able to overcome a bad offensive line this year because you don't have they, the they same. They couldn't really overcome it last year. Yeah, because you don't have the same guy lining up, taking snaps under center or in the shotgun or whatever. So kudos to them for, for addressing those needs, and hopefully Stacy Searles gets his head out of his ass and becomes a really good offensive line coach because we need him to be this upcoming season. Yeah, look, he's getting the guys in there. Corey Gaynor, now Spencer Rowland as transfers. You've got Zach Rice coming in as a five-star guy that we think will probably be able to play somewhere. This year, he's going to at least challenge for start. You know, the starter role at right tackle. Potentially, you know, a guard. I think that's probably one of the areas that you project them a little easier. But yeah, this is a talented group. I like it, and I think they're doing. They're like you said, we challenge them. Go out and find some pieces on this offensive line that are veterans, because this is a young group. Outside of your one veteran in Awesome Richards at tackle, and then you know you, you you've got Brian Anderson and and and. 
Kieran Johnson, but the problem is right now, where are those guys going to play? Yeah. Or is Gaynor going to play guard, whatever? So you'll have to see how you balance those. But really, the veterans that you have there are solid, but they're not, you know, they're not great. And they haven't really even graded out as good over the last couple of years. So you're going out and getting the guys that can help you. Now it's about capitalizing on that. One other note that I'll throw in there, Ahmad Moten, the four the, the 2023 three star 2022, excuse me, three star defensive tackle uh from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Carolina's last remaining target in the 2022 recruiting class. Uh, he is uh, gone off the board today on National Signing Day to Miami. No shock there. Fort Lauderdale, of course, in the Hurricanes' backyard. Knew it was going to be tough for the Tar Heels to go in there and take that one. They did host him for an official visit. He seemed to like what he saw, but not as much as Miami or even Oklahoma. So Carolina comes up short on that one as expected, and they close out the 2000. 22 recruiting class one of the best in school history uh, with 17 commits it looks like they are going to probably drop behind Oklahoma on a lot of the major sites so 24-7 sports composite which compiles all of the different sites they are uh, currently 10th uh, overall but they are looking as if they're going to close out with a top 10 class and with the number one class in the ACC we are not going to have an in-depth breakdown because well Everybody signed early for Carolina, so we do have that uh, up on the website. You guys can go back and check that out if you want to know about the guys that Carolina brought in in the early signing period. But we will have that article up there about Spencer Rowland. You guys can check that out uh, and get uh, you know some information on the new transfer uh, offensive linemen that the Tar Heels are bringing in. We're also going to have uh, you know weekly storylines. They've been coming out over the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue that throughout the offseason here. In this week's edition, we will also tell you about Mac Brown's extension a little bit more in depth. And there'll be a couple other storylines that'll be in there for you guys to check out as well. Some 2023 recruiting stuff in there um, as Carolina's attention now turns to that. And look, keep keep an eye out on the podcast side of things for a new edition that is going to be coming out here. Me, Zach Hubbard, we are going to you know, break down or close down the 2022 recruiting class. Um, we'll talk about the three transfers that Carolina is getting in. Zach wants to get in on that, tell you a little bit about his thoughts on the three guys that Carolina is bringing in. And then we will turn to the 2023 class. We're going to give you our 10 guys that we want the most in the 2023 recruiting class. That is already, you know, underway. Carolina's got one commit in the class in Tad Hudson. But Carolina already, you know, starting to get phased out of a couple of lists. You can tell that there is a little bit of an effect from the down year for Carolina football. So we'll tell you about the guys that they should be prioritizing the most in this upcoming 2023 class that does possess a really good uh, class in the state of North Carolina that the Tar Heels will need to take care of business with. All that stuff will be coming out. And again, website, best place to check it out, Heels Blog. Dot com also basketball stuff uh, up there. The season is uh, right now in its home stretch. Carolina is getting into the thick of their ACC schedule, and this week uh, is one of the biggest weeks of the year on the site because it is Duke week. Carolina um, getting ready to face the Blue Devils at home in the first matchup on Saturday. Josh will have the preview for you. We'll also have a preview on the podcast side of things. And then we'll have that recap and the recap on the podcast side of things as well. 
Uh, so make sure you're keeping an eye out for all that, and Josh will be taking you throughout the rest of the season uh, with previews and recaps. As I mentioned, you can check out the podcast on the website. There are tabs at the top of the page for both podcasts, the Heel Tough Blog Podcast and the Four Corners Podcast. Just click on the tab. It'll bring you right to uh, the pages for those. Or you can go to wherever you check out your uh, podcast. That's the best place to go because you can subscribe to all that great stuff there. Um, you know, and you don't miss an episode. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in any of those major sites, and you can subscribe. You can also give us a like and review while you are there as well if you would want to. Uh, all that great stuff uh, is available to you on all those sites, so you don't miss an edition of the podcast. Then make sure you head over to the Facebook page as well because that's where you get everything in one spot. You get those articles, those audio editions of the podcast. You also get the video editions of the podcast. When we have those, we have you know the waveform editions of the podcast, which you guys have been watching a lot as well. So all that great stuff is in one central location on that Facebook page. I know a lot of you guys are in the Facebook groups for uh, the Tar Heel fan groups. Make sure that you like that page, though, so that everything goes directly on your timeline so you don't have to hunt it down in those groups whenever we do put something out. Um, and make sure while you're at it, head over and follow the Twitter page, at Blog on Twitter. And then uh, we do have our personal pages as well. We'd always like you to follow those. Uh, we tweet you know, on and off. Josh has you covered uh, during basketball games. You can watch him you know, rant and rave about what's going on in the basketball court. Um, I'm, I'm a little quieter during games. I try to stay off of social media a little bit, but... Uh, you know, during you know the week and everything like that, we're keeping you up to date uh, on football, on basketball, all that great stuff. Uh, when it comes to Carolina athletics, uh, on our personal pages at HGB Anthony for me, at HGB Josh for Josh, and then make sure you check out Zach Hubbard's Twitter page as well while you're at it at Hack Zubbard too. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Josh for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.